we would like to acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians of the lands and waters where we're recording from, the Waramai and Wanarua peoples. We acknowledge the Waramai and Wanarua elders, both past and present. on the field for the Newcastle Knights. Darren Tracy's first touch of the footy. Now Andrew John. Tights a little hole himself. He's close. Right. He reaches out. That's a tight to Andrew John. Bruce Street from the little halfback. And that's a good reward for a great game. It is debut match for the Newcastle Knights in first grade. Andrew John scores the try and that should wrap it up for the night. Coming to you live from Waramai and Wanarua Lands is the Bay 53 podcast, part of the sport's best friend podcasting network, brought to you by your friends Bredo and the K-Dog. The men's season is over, but the women's season continues. That's right. Coming up this weekend, we get the Knights v Broncos contest that we wanted, but unfortunately, the men have not been able to give us the double shot of that matchup that we wanted. Yes, the men have gone down fighting over the ditch uh, against a mighty New Zealand Warriors outfit. But it's a surprising end to the season for most Knights fans because, as the great Maitland Mumbler said to us, our men's team lost by 30 and had their season ended and yet were upbeat. Yes, that's right. It's a completely different mindset here in the Bay 53 as we look towards the women trying to go back to back and we deconstruct what happened on Sunday, Saturday sorry, and where that leaves the men going into 2024. Uh, you know, Bretto, it, it seems to be a case of uh, the Knights are dead, long live the Knights in terms of, uh, you know, the men just couldn't get the job done. But, you know, the women have uh, sealed a minor premiership, first in the club's history. And we look forward to um, the game against the Broncos on Sunday. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, mate. It's um, surprisingly upbeat, isn't it? You know, like I'm obviously disappointed on Sunday's result. And I was actually just thinking to myself the other day, you know, am I upbeat because the men went better than I expected or am I upbeat because I've just turned on to the women? And I think it's a bit of both. I think the, funnily enough for uh, for me as well, the other thing about the men is that we've got something to look forward to next year. Like you sort of think, because even the way the season ended in 2021, when we, we were really high on that team all off, all off season, but the way we'd lost to the Eels, you just sort of thought to yourself, ah, oh, we, 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 no, there's something missing there. The loss against the Warriors, like there's, there was no dishonour in losing to that that Warriors team on Saturday night. They, they had one. I, I think they had one of the all-time finals performances that most teams in this comp, possibly even Penrith, would have struggled to beat them on Saturday. And I don't think the scoreline reflected the the sort of game itself. But when you come out of that game and you look at what we've done, not just over the last couple of months, but all of this year, and then you think about where we can go with this men's team in 2024, um, yeah, it's, it's you know, look at what they did this year. And, oh, my gosh, look at what they could do next year. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's a really exciting time for the men's team. Yeah, you're right. The the, um, the performance on Saturday doesn't doesn't attract at all from, you know, the, what we've put in this year and how we're going forward. That was, that was unbelievable scenes. Like, you know, we obviously – Saw amazing stuff at our at our place the week before, but yeah, that that Warriors uh, environment was crazy, and and I was actually I was actually surprised because the Warriors crowd, like the New Zealand crowds in general, are, are very very you know happy, mm. but there's a there's a hostility about it. Yes. it was like it was like you know like 
this is our time. We are not letting you take this moment off, off us. And it was more like an All Blacks crowd than a Warriors crowd, if that makes sense. It was more mm-hmm. that, host, that hostility of, you know, you are beating us on our turf. And um, credit to them. It was, yeah, just watching through the TV, it was amazing scenes. You are listening to the Bay 53 Podcast. Let's start with the biggest news from the weekend, or at least the biggest news from the round that's just completed. The Newcastle Knights, the NRLW team, they won the club's first national uh, minor premiership uh, since our foundation year in 1988. It's a tremendous achievement, and I'm reluctant to even say it, but you sort of... You look at where this team finished uh, in the regular season and you can't help but wonder, how did we lose? Like, how did we actually lose to that Cowboys side? We finished with an 8-1 and one record in the end. Um, it, it's a team that still doesn't believe in putting two consistent halves together. But the good thing about this side is that that lack of consistency means that, well, if you if they give you one bad half, you know that there's a good half coming because they don't seem to p- play two bad halves in a row. But an, an historic night out at like Leichhardt Oval, we had our Bay 53 spy out there in, uh, in my cousin. And um, congratulations to the NRLW team. Yeah, unbelievable achievement, mate. Let's not forget, you know, this team's gone from zero wins to a premiership to one a premiership in three years. Absolutely amazing. Like, it's, mm. it's incredible how hard that is. And everything changed this year, you know. Once the, the four new teams came in, the entire competition changed. It obviously, you know, doubled in length. But, yeah, all teams got gutted, some more than others. You know, we managed to hold on to, you know, the really key pieces. But, you know, the, the roots actually got better. So to beat them for the minor premiership, and I know they've rested a few players coming into the finals of the Roosters, but to beat them to the minor premiership, I think it's a huge achievement because, yeah, we don't, you know, we don't have the the uh, the things to offer the girls that the Roosters do. And as much as we all laugh about the Roosters and the men's because of the, what they can offer players off the field, the women's it's it's you know it's turbocharged because they're because you know they're they're not much they're they're, semi, they're only semi professional most of them. So if you can offer a semi professional player a really good job or a way to make it, you know, a bit of a side hustle, that's, you know, that's life-changing for a lot of those girls. So, um, yeah, to, to beat that side of the minor premierships, an, an achievement that the girls should be really proud of and the staff too. It was an odd first. It was an awful first half. Game started well. It looked like Tamika was gonna, going to open up the scoring almost from the get-go. And you sort of thought once Jesse Southwell put um, Sheridan in, uh, over on the right wing, you sort of thought that that was going to, you know, we, we sort of had visions of seeing the first 50 burger in uh, NRLW history. It didn't happen Thursday night, although it did happen over the weekend. Um, Jesse's injury, and I'm not saying that was the what caused it, but Jesse's injury, unfortunately, proved to be somewhat of a turning point for the rest of the half. Did Jesse's injury play a, a, a part, or are we just at the stage now where there is a ment- there is just a mentality problem with this team? Now, before I hand it over to you, I do appreciate that asking the question whether there's a mentality problem about a minor premiership t- winning team seems counterintuitive. But we like we were we were really concerned at half time, not to the extent. Well, okay, let's say we do win this. Where's that going to leave us when we're playing top four high-quality opposition in cutthroat um, semifinals next weekend? Yeah, it was Jesse Southwell, was there injury an issue? You know, is there a mentality? What's going on with this team that they just can't put in a 70-minute performance yet? Um, honestly, I don't know. I don't think the Jesse thing can be an excuse because we were poor before Jesse went off. 
Um, but yeah, you know, you put it, we end up putting a back row into halfback, not ideal. Um, but I did see CJ actually said in the media this week that they had trained for that, that, you know, that obviously, you know, you've got to, especially coming into the finals, you've got to train for all possibilities. And that was, you know, one of the halves went off. Leishon was the one that would go into the halves. So they actually had trained for that. But no, Jesse going off wasn't the reason why we were, we were poor. We were, we were poor way before that. Um, but yeah, no, it, it's definitely a concern. I, you know, we all sort of just kind of expect them to switch it on come the finals. But that's a really hard thing to do, you know. Like, it, there's a lot of times where you see a team and you'll think, that, you know, they'll just turn it on once they get to the finals, and they don't. Like, like with South, South was in the finals. We all thought, oh, South would just turn this on at some stage. And they mm. didn't, you know. They didn't mm. have it in them. Um, yeah, it's a concern. But, you know, the Roosters game was an encouragement because the Roosters game was, wasn't 70 minutes of great football. It was probably 60 which you know, we, the thing is, we have a, we have so much strike in our team that fifty great minutes of football will win us games because our defence is so solid, and then that's kind of how we play. We kind of play, we'll we'll absorb your blow, we'll rope it up, you know, we'll absorb your blows. Mm. The second we we get an opportunity, we're gonna we're gonna stomp on you, and that's how we play. But the problem will be, so say we get Brisbane and the Roosters in the next few weeks. They're both teams that you know, 10, 15 minutes of bad football, you could be down by twenty. So that, you know, well, that's a concern. Well, we almost were down by 20 with the Broncos. You know, you look back at an eight and one record. Why did we lose to the Cowboys? It's easy to forget that short of a miracle try and conversion at the death against the Broncos, we actually don't win the minor premiership. So the Broncos have already shown us they will punish us if we don't, um, if we don't switch on when we need to. Um, the other thing, though, that I'm very mindful of, and it has dawned on me, you know, I want to give all this credit to the Warriors. I'm about to give all this credit to the Tigers. I don't want to detr- I don't want to try and detract from the fact that I think both Knights teams were poor in areas over the weekend. But you sort of want to find that balance where you give credit where credit was is due. And I just felt like the Tigers were they were absolutely determined on Thursday night to go out with a bang. And I sort of felt as much as we weren't, there were moments where we weren't at our best. And you know, obviously the drop ball speaks for itself. You've still got to be the opposition that takes advantage of that. And I just thought that there was a lot about the Tigers where there was a lot of desire and there was a lot of play. And um, obviously, uh, Ja'Kaya Whitfield, you know, she had just in this extraordinary game. You know, you've got to take your chances, especially that second try that the Tigers scored where, you know, on the fifth, they're sort of out of position. And then instead of going for the kick, they, they know to move it wide to the right and they found that space. So credit to the Tigers to actually go into halftime with um, with the halftime with the lead. Yeah, they, they were they were really good, the Tigers. They had, you know, they had probably their three best players out. They were, they were outstanding, mm, you yeah. know, tough. And I did see before the game, you know, it was the first time those girls had played at Leichhardt. A lot of those were local Tigers juniors. So that must, you know, that must be a big thrill to play on, you know, what they consider their hallowed turf. So they were right up for it, the Tigers. Um, no, full credit to them. And, you know, and, and I don't want to um, take anything away from our girls either because our girls could have, you know, thought, well, top two's locked up and, you know, and just go with well, the minor premiership. What does yep. it matter? But they didn't, you know. They came out in the second half and, and fought back and really stuck it to them. And in, in the early part of the second half was really physical. So that would – and that's a great, great hit out for our girls. You know, a comfortable win, but, you know, a physical game a week out from the finals is not the worst thing in the world, especially considering that we had, what, a nine or ten-day break between that game and, and the semi. Right. You know, so you have that real physical hit out, then you get plenty of rest. Rest, it's, You know, it's really – Really, an ideal preparation. So, but no credit to the Tigers. They were, I don't, I, you know, I don't want to belittle them, but you know, a lot of those girls aren't ready to play NRLW yet, mm. and they they toughed it out. Yeah, no, no I, I know what you're saying. Um, I sort of we discussed at halftime. It was like, right, well, 
We know that this team can perform in the second half. You know, three or four unanswered tries in the second half, wrap up that minor premiership. That's what we've come to expect this team to do. They ultimately did that. I do start to wonder if, like, is the team starting to rely on that a little bit? Is there a part of the team that just sort of goes, well, we, you know, we're a second half team. We know what we're going to do. Is that starting to creep in a little bit in terms of the way they've been playing the past few weeks? Yeah, I don't know. It is a concern, but it is a concern. As I said, you know, like maybe they're just waiting. They can, you know, they can turn it on whenever they want and get home. But I'm telling you now, if we give up, you know, if we give up a sort of two-try lead to Brisbane this week, we're in real trouble. You know, I don't mm. think, you know, I don't think we're coming back from that. They're too experienced in a big game. Um, no, I, you're right. And it, it certainly does feel like that's a bit of a mentality that, you know, we'll just uh, cop their best and come back. But yeah, that's not not ideal, and um, yeah, I there's worry. We've talked about it all season. There's worried us all year. You know that that inability to not even it's not even two halves. Sometimes it's you know a good fifteen minutes, then a bad twenty minutes in the first half. Then it's mm. you know it's a bad twenty minutes, and then it's you know like it's it's all over the shop. It's um it's a real concern. But credit credit to like their ability because they they dig their way out of it, and a lot of times they win big. You know it's it's quite inter- It's quite amazing. Abigail Roach picked up a second half double. Uh, Yasmin Clydesdale got over. Was it was it Tamika Upton who gave her the try assist for Yazzie's? Yeah, for Yazzie's. Yeah, yeah. It was a great little sort of dummy and uh, and and offload. And then uh, Liv Higgins barged over for one at the end. The sto- I think the story of the game though for me again is Sheridan Gallagher for a, few, a couple of reasons. She got on the score sheet again with um, her. Uh, first try um, in the 14th minute. But she kicked four from five as well when Jesse left the field. And a couple of those goals, or at least I think at least one of those goals at the end was kicked after she'd um, really badly sort of twisted her leg in the in goal. And she showed this guts and determination to still kick the ball dead um, after she'd sort of wrenched her ankle. She's been named, uh, sorry, wrenched her leg. She'd been named to play this Sunday, but Ron sort of said that she's in doubt. But it's just it, what a terrific first season for Sheridan. She's um, she's got to be in the running for some sort of um, player of this season award uh, within the club. Uh, great night for her. Yeah, incredible. Because you know, like we, we all we all joke about. It. I made a joke tweet about it on Twitter. You know, the, the soccer player. You know, that's why she plays soccer. She's too tough and that sort of stuff. But you know, but the, the toughness of footy is a, is a real thing. You know, it's it's a real thing in rugby league. You know how much their bodies go through. And you're right because. When she went down, we all thought, oh, she's, you know, she's destroyed her knee. You know, we're thinking, you know, PCL, MCL, you know, the whole lot, the way she's mm. gone down. And um, as it turns out, it's an MCL spray, only grade one, thankfully. Um, but, yeah, she, you know, she was in pain, in tears, and then she limps up to take the kick, kicks it, you know, almost falls over after she kicks because it's obviously her, and as she's landed the foot back on the ground, and then limped back, you know, it's incredible toughness. Like, um and the amazing thing about all that is that toughness is something that, like, because when you grow up playing rugby league, like, people sort of think you learn to be rugby league tough. Well, she's only been playing rugby league for six months. <laughs> so, this, so this is just who she is, you know. She's just a tough yeah. bugger. She's just been out and out tough bugger. And if you actually go to YouTube and watch her, watch her uh, soccer highlights, this is how she played soccer. She used to run over people playing soccer. <laughs> um, so, obviously, rugby league was, you know, her, her preferred option. But no, it's it, it's amazing how um, how mentally tough our girls are. Like you, you sort of think, 
we play a bit of open football, you know, we play a bit of loose football at times. But the moment we need to bite down the mouth guarding and be tough, man, those girls are tough. Mm. They're real tough. Because yet you, a few times, especially on, on uh, Thursday, but throughout the season, we, we thought we're in real trouble here. And you just see it. You just see it. there's a mentality of it. You know, they they bite down the mouth guard. You know, some like a CJ or a Hannah will just lay someone out, and then bang, game on. It's um, it's a credit to them and a credit to Ron. It was another great performance as well from um, uh, four of the big five. I mean, because obviously Jesse had to go off with a with a. It was a cork, wasn't it? In the end, it was that yeah, a deep, a deep cork, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I mean, uh, Tamika ran for over two hundred meters again. You had um, uh, Yasmin Clydesdale, one hundred and sixty meters. You know, had a sight Southall. She keeps it tight in the middle. Twenty two tackles for her. But I guess, and just quickly before we do get on to the real star of the show, uh, Leishon Albert-Jones, you know, as you said, she moved from the second row into the halves, but I thought she did a great job. Again, wherever she was on the field, she really is giving us that um, utility value. But, mate, let's talk about Caitlin Johnston. Is she, I mean, is she sort of throwing herself into contention here to be that starting front rower for if a Jillaroo's um, squad was named today with uh, Millie Boyle? I thought she had, I, th- I just thought she had, a ferocious game on Thursday and she's playing with that sort of, um, you know, composed, controlled ferocity that you just, you'd want from, uh, put her in, like, put her in the men's team. I, I think she would just um, run it straight uh, for the blokes at the moment. 156 metres run, uh, 74 metres post co- uh, contact, and then just throw in a lazy 26 tackles there. Like, she is just putting in the complete uh, front row performance week in, week out. Yeah, um, I, I think she'll end up on the Jillaroo's bench. I think, uh, yeah, I think she'll end up on the Jillaroo's bench, um, which is, I think, th- only three or four weeks ago. I don't, I don't think she was any chance of making the Jillaroo's. She was a chance for the squad, but I, I don't think there was any chance of making the Jillaroo's you know, three or four weeks ago. But no, she's... Um, the thing about CJ is that she's a leader. As I just said before, you know, like if, if, the, if a big hit's needed or a big run's needed, she's the one. You know, Hannah will help in defence, but generally run it with running the ball. She's the one. She's the one that tucks under her arm and just, you know, bites down and, and runs it over someone. Um, and she's she's also she's the firebrand. So we get a bit frustrated. You know, she she gives away some silly penalties at times, and you know, she's always a chance of getting suspension because of uh, the odd high shot. But she's the firebrand. You know, she sets she sets the tempo. She's she's the line speed leader because Hannah sort of still you know struggled with that leg a little bit. I think. Um, no, she honestly as much as much as Millie hurts. I lose because Millie is the ideal prop down RL. If you said to me today you could have Millie back and lose CJ, I'd no no chance in the world. No chance in the world I'd take it because CJ will be better than Millie Boyle in the next two or three years. Um. I want to read some score lines out to you, mate. So 28 to 8, 40 to 16, 46 to 12, 56 to 6. So the Sharks got the first 50-point uh, score line in uh, NRLW history, 30 points to 6. Mate, there are no close scores there. Um, and a lot of the talk this week, unfortunately, or at least over the past couple of days leading into finals, has been, you know, is the comp expanding too quickly? Are we, you know, is there enough talent? Should we at least consolidate before we um, we grow the game again? And it's easy to sort of say, oh, well, you look, you know, you sort of had the the, the your top half teams 
sort of dominating your bottom half teams there. But you've got to remember the Titans got a fairly big scoreline over the Raiders, who, yes, they're in their first season, and maybe the season caught up with them. But they were, they were actually in contention to make the, the top four today uh, for this weekend. So, yeah, it's sort of... Um, uh, is the talent there for... Uh, sorry, is the talent there, first of all, to maintain the 10 teams that we've got at the moment... Um, or, you know, is um, is it something that they should be looking at? Maybe rethinking, just just have another settler next year with 10 teams and then see how we go before we expand again. I wouldn't be expanding until 2026, and there's two reasons for it. Um, so you so hang on, sorry, so you want two more seasons of just two more 10 seasons teams? of 10 teams, yeah, okay. yeah. So, the, and I'll give you more reasons for it. So, the, the first reason is that. I think that it establishes a foothold in the market. So if you keep playing this comp, but expanding the game, so, you know, you go a few more games next year and you have maybe, like, you know, a little pool system where you play someone, you know, twice, you know, other teams once, you know, and maybe play 12 or 13 games. That's the way you expand the competition now. Because to me, the problem this year was not the level of talent. It was a lot of those girls are not used to playing at that level for that many weeks. Yeah. So by the end of the season, you know, there's a lot of injuries, you know, a lot of broken bodies. Because as I said earlier, these are only semi-professional girls. You know, they work during the day. They train at night. That You know, they don't have the bodies ready to play week in, week out at that level like the NRL boys do. So to me, the first thing you've got to do is the talent you've got, you've got to get them ready to play at a professional standard for a long period to stop the amount of injuries we had this year. Because there's so... By the end of the season, there was girls playing that didn't dream about being NRLW players, you know, a month ago. Because mm. they just had, you know, they just had to play because teams were struggling. Um, you know, they've, they've got the long NRLW season, but all the sort of... All the so take probably yeah your origin and above standard players away. Everybody below that then played either BHP or um, Harvey Norman, you know. So they so they had a full season of that because they were trying to get their NRLW spots. You know they had something to prove. So they so they started that back in March. So they've had you know two full seasons now, essentially you know to, to get to this point, and the bodies weren't ready for it. And the bodies broke down, and you could see you could see a lot of those teams that were getting pumped. Those girls were just dead on their feet, absolutely dead on their feet. Um, and so, to me, yeah, the, it's not about expanding the teams; it's about expanding the games from now on for the next couple of years. Get them used to the longer seasons, you know, get them paid more, which they still don't get paid anywhere near enough, so they can spend more time on their bodies, spend you know, give them more help with their nutrition, more help with their training, all those things that will take. What essentially it's a, it's a professional standard sport, but they're looked after semi professionally. So their bodies are only to, to me a lot of their bodies only get looked after semi professionally, mm. and that's and that's why they're breaking down. We really need to concentrate on getting the girls up to that standard where they can play, you know, four four months of professional rugby league before we even think about then thinning the talent out further. Because there's the Harvey, the, sorry, not the Harvey, the Tasha Gale standard is leaping every year. It, it's you know. It's so much better than it was even two years ago. In another two years, there'll be so many good players come to that, that Tasha Gale competition that will be ready for an RLW. So there'll be plenty of players in two years' time. I just think that we need to get the girls ready to play those long seasons. I don't disagree. I, I think as well, you know, 
Because when you look at the way they've expanded the league so far, they had three seasons or four seasons. They had four seasons of four teams. And then last year, they technically had two seasons of six teams. The jump to 10 teams was already a big one in and of itself. Why not let that, you know, at least the last two, they've given at least two opportunities to just let the let the expansion settle and see how it goes. So I don't see why it would hurt to give three seasons at 10 teams. And like you said, you know, sort of um you got to crawl before you can walk and that's 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 not a you know women's sport thing that's a setting up a competition thing you know i, I think back to the a league when they you know shut down the nsl and started again they're like no we're just going to start with eight teams we just got eight teams here and then we'll see how we go let's build on what we on the foundation that we have and once we know that that foundation is settled, all right, then we'll sort of think about expanding. So I completely agree with you there on, on that. You know, from a from a supporter's perspective, from a player welfare perspective, from a, a sort of talent equilibrium perspective, it, it definitely makes sense to give the 10 teams their opportunity to find their way um, before you start expanding to 12. But having said that, can I ask, if you did maintain the 10 teams over the next, so 24 and 25, would you make the season longer? Yeah, I would make it uh, two pools of five. So you play 14 games, play, okay. uh, play yeah, everyone yeah, once. Yeah. And no, play, sorry, I see what you're oh, saying, 13 yeah. games. So you play rather four teams for 13 games, yeah. yeah. Longer final series as well? Uh, so yeah, top it's been up to top five, yeah. Okay. Top, top, top five is the perfect final system, by the way. No matter if you have five or 100 teams, <laughs> top five is the perfect final system. It always has been. It always will be. <laughs> Always was, always will be. Eh? Absolutely. <laughs> hey, um, the team's got announced today. Uh, the Knights have basically named a full-strength side, I think. I don't think there were too many. Uh, so Sheridan's named to play. She's unfortunately still in doubt. Jessie's named to play, though, and she's been... Yeah, Ron said Jessie just, just, just 100% playing. Sheridan will have to get through the, all the way through to the captain's run. Um, the other thing as well is Georgia Roach uh, is in, back in at 5'8". So she obviously missed last Thursday. Um, she was a late withdrawal. Um, it's a strong side. Uh, I think we aim up well once again against the um, the Broncos, notwithstanding the depth that they have. Look, for me, the three key players that we need to keep our eye on uh, from the Broncos side is... Obviously, Romy Teitzel. She's coming back as a, as a you know returning premiership uh, winner for us again. Ali Brigginshaw, the immortal in waiting. Um, she still knows how to sort of turn a game on its head. But I guess the um, the talk of the town, or certainly the talk of the comp this season, has been um, Mele Hufanga, who's um, you know just uh, using the the body that God gave her and um, uh, sort of she really has got that beautiful combination of um, physical sort of aggression, but she's got the foot skills and the talent to sort of go with it. So, um, you know, if we can, I think if we can shut those three down enough, um, that should go a long way towards sort of um, giving us the win. I, I think we've definitely got the Broncos in the middle. Um, Harvey G was sort of talking a bit with about, about that with us today. Um, but, yeah, I think those are the three strike weapons that we really want to be keeping an eye on um, from the Broncos. Yeah, and, and that's how we got back into the game against them when we came back and won, was we started to control the middle. We control the middle. We don't give time to their, to their back line. Um, yeah, we win the game. But you give you give those go- those girls that've got um, some room to play, yeah, and they're dangerous. Like yeah, you know, they've got Ali the goat, 
you know, Abba, yeah, uh, like she's incredible. And she, she doesn't touch the ball a lot, but basically she picks the right time. She's really yeah. good at, at picking the moment when the, to, to chime in. Because a lot of times you'll see, you won't even see her in the plate. So essentially you're sort of drifting around the back of the thing. All of a sudden there'll be, you know, a quick, an offload or, you know, a bit of space or, you know, someone makes a bad read and bang, she's there hit, hitting a million miles an hour. And you just simply can't stop at one-on-one, even two-on-one really. If you, yeah, and that and that's sort of where we've got to be careful. If we if we play a little bit looser, allow offloads, uh, her and Ali will kill us. I'm expecting a bigger game from Shanice Parker as well this Sunday. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I don't think the game's going to be won or lost in the centres necessarily, but I thought she was a bit off um, on Thursday night, um, just a little bit more so than, than the rest of the team. But the other player I want to talk about for the Knights as well is that I'm really expecting another big performance from uh, Nita Maynard. Yeah, Nita Maynard. Sorry, I just want to be careful of that because I, I think I've been calling her Netter all season. I picked Nitta to sort of be my sort of standout player this season. And I don't think she sort of hit the heights that I thought she was going to. But I think that's more for the fact that I think a lot of players have overshadowed her. And I think she's done such a good job in terms of maintaining that pace when she comes onto the park. They were sort of overlooking a bit of what she sort of adds when she brings in. I just think she's had this phenomenal pace and delivery around the ruck that I really think finals footy is her time to to arrive. I really think that's where she can make a difference. You know, get that early ball to um, Jesse and um, Tamika um, to really give us that space. Uh, you know, if we if it means if this team performs as we expect they do, where it comes particularly in the second half, um, you know, that quick bang bang two or three tries to um, to get us over the line. I think she's uh, I think she's in for a big game this Sunday. Yeah, she's been a real key this year because obviously we lost Manzelman and Manzelman to me was what put us over the top last year. Her coming on in through the middle of the ruck really sped up the game for us and, was yeah, as I said, put us over the top to win the premiership. And we obviously lost Emma, but uh, but Maynard, you know, fair to say she's in the veteran category and we picked her up late. And she and because she is a bit older, she's not quite as fast as Emma is and whatnot these days, but she's so smart around the ruck. She knows when to run. Her delivery off the ground is great. She brings the forwards onto the ball really well. And you're right, she picks up the pace of the game like Emma usually for us, which is really important because a lot of our girls in the middle are very, very, very inexperienced still. So they need someone that can control them around the ruck and bring them onto the ball. And when you bring you know, your girls like the like Preda Bond and Roman Yek onto, onto the ball, like they'll run over the top of anyone. Um, but, yeah, no, I don't know how she ended up with us. I know, like I know she's obviously a Kiwi, but um, whoever – uh, picked her up for us has been a, a really great buy because I really think if we just had a standard 14, you know, backup hooker type, um, we'd be in trouble this year because she, she's really, yeah, bridged that gap where we've lost Emma. And I think that if uh, we didn't have someone, you know, as, as a similar player to Emma, uh, yeah, we'd be really struggling, especially. And that's why we've been a second half team, frankly, because the pace has been picked up by Maynard coming on. Hey, I, I want to talk to you about the uh, the Roosters Titans game as well, because and, and I'll read you some odds here: a dollar thirty one for the Roosters, three fifty for the Titans. I, I, I don't know. The more I, you bet, the more you win. Oh, mate, I, I, it doesn't feel disrespectful to the Titans. I mean, you look at what the Roosters have done this season. You know, their points differential is off the chart. Um, you know, they won uh, – sorry, they did lose the two games, obviously, this season. They lost it home, away to the Raiders and then they lost away to us. 
Titans are playing really well. Like they, I thought that because you and I were blown away by how well they played on Sunday. Not because we don't think that they're any good, but we just we think that we thought that they played a different style in terms of you know they like to they like to grind out wins. They like to you know you do the t- dirty stuff, you do the tough stuff, and you do enough to get the win. But the the way they performed on Sunday, what was it again? Um, oh, bear with me for two seconds. Yeah, 30 points to six over the Raiders in Canberra. Um, and that really bumped their points to, for the for the whole season through the roof. I don't know. Are, are, the, are the Titans get, Let me ask you this. If they won on Sunday, would you think it was an upset? Um, it would still be an upset, but only just. Like, I would, you know, the Roosters deserve to be favourites and they're at home. Mm-hmm. But the Titans, you're right, the Titans have gone from a team that were really gritty. So I said to you when we actually, the day we played the Titans, I said, we just got to score 16 here because that's how you beat the Titans. <laughs> yeah, their idea is they keep you below 16 and they get the 16 and they win. And that's, yep. how, and, and that's how they used to play. But not anymore. They've got points in them. You know, Shannon Mato is wrecking house in the middle. Um, you know, a pellet at the back. Always been great, but you know, really starting to I think play better in the fullback role. You know, she plays at the rep level at the uh, at center. That's sort of more where she's suited. But now she um she's really playing some good football at the back. And has actually started ball play a little bit in the last few weeks, which is interesting because she's always been a damaging runner. You know, but you throw that in with the you know they've got some really really good backline players and some real speed there in the in their backs. Um, no, I'm I'm worried about the Titans. I think that they're quite a good side. I'd be, as I said, the Roosters should be favourites, but not by that. I would have it probably maybe a dollar sixty the Roosters, two forty the Titans. So, so here's the thing about the Titans, right? This season they've scored uh, in excess of twenty points uh, three times. So three times out of nine games, but three th- th- three of those occasions have been out of their last four games. And so yeah. remember how we won the premiership last year in terms of, you know, we, we, we came out of the blocks with a bang, but then we sort of um, plateaued a little bit over the next two games. And I, I think Hannah Southwell's injury played its part there. But be that as it may, we had to grind out our next two wins. And it wasn't uh, – sorry, our next three wins. And it actually wasn't until the last round that we started to put three performances together that blew teams away. So the last round, the semifinal, the grand final. But my point is, is that – Last year, we showed in this competition, if you're there or thereabouts at the end, you make sure you're in your best form in those last few games, and that's when you start to hit. And all of a sudden, the Titans have had uh, 23 to 22 over the Dragons. Now, granted, the Dragons probably didn't have the best season, but, you know, they travelled away. Uh, They got the job done over the Tigers, 16 to 4. But again, there's that defence holding them to 4. But here are the two big ones, 34 to 12 over the Eels, and then, like I said, 30 to 6 over the Raiders. So... The Titans are starting to come out of their shell a little bit with um, with that um, that attack. And the other thing as well is that, yes, Millie Boyle's been named for the Roosters this Sunday, but she's, we don't know how she's going to back up. From She's been out for the last two weeks with injury. We don't know how bad that injury is that she's carrying. And, yeah, I, I just think, yeah, I, I'm exactly with you. I, I think the odds are a lot closer than the bookies um, would have you believe. Um, I, I think the tight and I think the Titans will be right where they want to be. They'll be there and thereabouts, but underestimated enough where they feel that they can cause an upset. Yeah, yeah, you're right. They're um, and to me, they're that sort of team. Though. They're they're a bit like us last year. You know, no one really took us seriously last year to the grand final, really. You know, 
And I think the Titans are a bit like that this year. You know, no one's really taken them seriously till now. Um, but that performance against Canberra was, to me, the best performance any team's put in this year. Wow. Because, because you put, you, when you look at it this way, so Canberra obviously beat the Roosters down there with a fast start. They had us rocking and rolling down there with a fast start, you know, and, and we got home, but it was, you know, it, it was real worrying there for a good 50 minutes. But the Titans absolutely blew them off the park, like literally blew them off the park. Um, and 30 to 6, probably was, the game probably wasn't even that close. You know, they could have easily scored a couple more tries, the Titans. That, to me, was, yeah, the best performance by any side this season. We've got some uh, we've got some great fullbacks in the game this uh, at the moment for the NRLW, much like we do in the NRL. Uh, to, Meeks obviously speaks for herself. I think Tegan Berry had an outstanding performance in it. You know, she basically saved that team, that Dragons team, from being the 2016 uh, NRL Knights. Um, but also, uh, and I'm gonna I do apologise in advance. I'm going to butcher this name, but Ivania Polite. She yeah. had a great game. She had a great game last Sunday. So I think she'll be looking she's, forward she's to that player. Yeah. She's just she's a great, great player. player. And I think you even said to me at the time when we were playing her at the Titans earlier this year, it's like, score 16, keep their fullback quiet, we'll win this game. And that's that's actually how that panned out. But again, when you're in that sudden death, you know, we've got two finals games, you know, there's no tomorrow, you're playing for a grand final. That brings the best out of the good uh, out of the good players, and that's why I'm. I do apologise. I'm not. Um, I'm not as au fait as it were with um, Corbin Baxter. How she's going for the Roosters, um, but I Corbin, just, Corbin's yeah. got better as the years got on. She's she's coming back from having a baby. Um, she's got better as the years got on. She could see so Corbin used to be like a top, a top tier elite fullback, but obviously you know take home time off to have the child and stuff. Um, she's starting to find her form now, but. To me, she's the worst of the four fullbacks still going. Um, and we haven't even th- I haven't even discussed Isabel Kelly yet. You sort of th- there's there's some but anyway there's some great outside backs slash fullbacks running around this weekend. I just think Sunday afternoon is going to be a great afternoon of footy. We'll we'll um we'll be so is the the Knights game is the two o'clock game, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll obviously be out at um, Marathon Stadium. Marathon, Jesus, my apologies, sorry. Uh, it really is the halcyon days. We'll be out at McDonald Jones Stadium on Sunday afternoon. Get your tickets uh, while you still can. Um, but, yeah, I guess we'll be racing. I'll, I'll be racing to the sunny side as soon as I can to get in front of the big screen for the um, for the follow-up game as well. Um, yeah, it promises to be a great afternoon of, um, of footy all round. Yeah, no, I, I will say one thing. Um, if you get a chance to go and you haven't been to see the girls play, just get there. Like it's 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 ten bucks if you're not a club member. If you're a club member, you can go online and get for free. Um, the the TV doesn't do justice in how good the contact with the girls is. Oh. You'll hear the, you'll hear the contact as much as you hear it in the men. They really rip in. It's 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 really it's really good to watch. So yeah, if you haven't had a chance to get out and see the girls play, or you or even if you've seen them play. On a day when you know with the men have played, like the twenty thousand there, just the fact there might be sort of ten to fifteen there this week, you'll get a, you'll hear a bit more of the contact. It's really interesting, you know, to hear how how the girls hit. It's um, yeah, it's, it's good footy. I'm no expert. I just love the game, but more than that, I love the community. If you're a fan of rugby league or the NRL, you'll love Big T's Tees. Unique, affordable, and made for fans. Find a link to the online store in the show notes below. You'd look good in one of Big T's tees.
let's deconstruct what happened in Auckland on Saturday afternoon. Uh, the Newcastle Knights NRL season has come to a, its conclusion. Um, the ten, the run of ten ended up uh, finishing, uh, unfortunately, with the loss, uh, forty to ten, in the semi-final uh, against the Warriors. Uh, the game the game was over, unfortunately, after the first set, as it turns out. I, I certainly still thought we could, we had a chance to win the game after that first set. But in hindsight, um, you know, that inability to complete that first set and then we allowed that first try straight in by CNK. Yeah, unfortunately, the writing was on the wall fairly early and we just didn't have the, the right cleaning, cleaning products to, to scrub that graffiti off that wall, as it turned out. Um just before I sort of give you uh, your get your opening thoughts, Bretto, I thought CNK, Tohu Harris, uh, Adam Fanua Blake, and um, uh, Sean Johnson. I thought they just had. I thought they were phenomenal. I, but maybe not the best games any of them combined. It certainly uh, SJ's probably played better, but I just thought those four were the difference and ultimately the big difference in the end. Um, no, yeah, just absolutely no discredit to the Knights to lose to that Warriors team on Saturday. Yeah, frankly, they just brutalised us. Absolutely brutalised us. Just and you were worried about that. Like, you, yeah. were, that was your biggest fear going into Saturday. Yeah, and for two reasons. I think, you know, I, I think they're a bigger pack than us. But just to travel, I, 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 I knew, like, I just... In my heart, you know, I wanted to believe that we could do it, but it's, you know, a six six days rest after a final like that, and then travelling to New Zealand in that atmosphere, I just, you know, I just feed what... And we, losing what, Daniel. Yeah, that's right. And then losing Daniel just, you know, just made that ten times worse. Um, but I just feared what we were going to face, and, and we, this is exactly what we faced. They just brutalised us. They just kicked us, kicked us to death all day. SJ just pinned us in our own half. And they therefore just manned up and just smash us into submission. And when that happens in rugby league, you got no chance. No matter, you know, our effort was great. Our, our, our guys did not quit. You know, they they went the full eighty. But yeah, the Warriors, man, they just absolutely smashed us in a submission. Toe Harris, you know, for a guy that's has played as many games as he has, and the injuries that he's had, you know, and he, this year he's been, you know, playing on one leg most of the year. Man, he's a good player. Toe, I, I don't. He's so underrated, Toe Harris. Like, to me, he's a guy that should be an automatic Hall of Famer, and I probably don't think he will be. Because to me, he's to me, he's the greatest New Zealand-born rugby league player of all time. I thought Tohu put in the complete rugby league performance on Saturday. You, you look at the way he. Um, just controlled the play when he was in at first and second receiver. You look at the the meters that he gained, and you look at the effort that he sort of put in uh, in defence. Um, what did he ended up finishing finishing on? Just bear with me for two seconds. So, um, my God, thirty nine tackles. Because I thought it was I thought it was thirty. The man made 39 tackles while running 200-plus metres, while being a key part of their attack. I mean, we sort of, I think we forgot, and, and I'm not going to take anything away from our win over them earlier this year. It was a great win on that uh, that Easter weekend. But Harris was the difference. He didn't play in that day, and you can see the diff, just the difference that he makes to that team. Uh, if, if you can have a player who can just do two out of those three things, you know, um, uh, a key piece in attack, um, metres run, 
and tackles in defence. You only need two out of those three to be like, well, you're you're a blue chip um, performer, and he did all three. Um, I, I I thought he was by far and away the player of the match, and I I couldn't even be upset while I was watching him just absolutely annihilate us. I was like. As a fan of rugby league, there were two things on Saturday that as a fan of rugby league you had to enjoy uh, regardless of whether or not you were a Knights fan or any other fan. It was um, the performance of Tohu Harris and just seeing Sean Johnson being able to walk off the field afterwards um, and get that adulation from the fans. You and I were sort of hoping that we might be able to see something like that with Kalen Ponger against the Raiders. Obviously, that was never going to happen the way that match went. But to see to see what SJ did, I'm reliably informed. Uh, sorry, Harry Ramage informs us that's his first finals win in 12 years. Um, yeah, but th- those those were just two things that, as, as a rugby league fan, you had. Yeah, I was just in awe of it on um, on Saturday. Incredible, incredible performance. Just quickly, on SJ. Let's not forget at the start of this season. There was real doubt whether he would be in their best 17. Mm. So remember the trial game they had, I think they had Volkman and Metcalf, maybe. They had Volkman and somebody anyway. And they they tower the Tigers up in a trial. They, trial, they, yeah, they looked outstanding with the ball. Everyone's like, well, SJ's not in this team. Like, SJ's just not getting in this team. Like, you know, he's not – because everyone was going on his Corolla form. Um, and then now it looks like, you know, I think it would be Travis if he doesn't win the Dally M. But he might have to get the Clive Churchill medal the way he's going. <laughs> um, so yeah, the the, the receiving SJ's had been remarkable. But back to Tohu, so Tohu ties their entire team together. So he he's a classic lock in terms of he links the backs and the forwards. Mm. You know, so he'll do he'll do the job of a middle forward. He'll run, he'll tackle, he'll do what Tohu's done his whole career. But then he'll also be the link man. He'll be the he'll be the first receiver who'll who you know who'll dig into the line and give it SJ, who'll then you know, have a little bit more space because Tohu's dug into the line. And Tohu's ability to offload means that he if he digs into the line, he'll always draw two. Because no one will ever try and tackle Tohu one on one because he'll always slip a pass. So every time Tohu dug, digs into the line, he'll always draw two. So every time he does that, SJ then has and it's only three or four extra meters, but when you've got the skills of Sean Johnson, three or four meters basically means you've got the defense on toast. Well, it, it's actually funny what you say about those extra three or four meters, mate, because uh, on average, over the course of the entire game, those three or four meters were the difference in. Um, I think the Warriors averaged about forty-four meters per set. We averaged about thirty-nine meters per set. So there's your di- that's actually your difference. You know what I mean? Like it's the small things yeah. like that 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 sort of carry. And, and I mean, we had fuck all possession in the first, I think, fifteen minutes of that game. I think I think the possession stats were something like eighty-five to fifteen at one point. It was sixteen nil, and we'd had two tackles of the ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, it's funny, you know, and, and it's funny, you know, because as much as you want to talk up the Warriors, it's actually quite easy to. Fi- oh. <laughs> How do I say this? We obviously played badly because we couldn't hold on to the ball and we had no ball. But there's still something that was ab- admirable about this Knights team because, well, one, we didn't give up. Give up. But 16-0 down after 15 minutes, you sort of, as fans, what we've seen from this team is that um, you sort of saw, well, no, they, they, we still think they've got something in it. And yet we were able to turn it around. We were actually able to get some of that possession. Unfortunately, though, the difference was is that we could only score the one try, whereas, you know, with all the possession the Warriors had had, they were three on the board, 16 points up. But there's still something to be said, you know, as much as 16-0 down, we hadn't played that badly, if only because we hadn't had an opportunity to play yet. Um, 
and going into those last ten minutes, I still thought we had. I still thought we had a try in us. I just, um, obviously, we didn't. But there's something about you know you know what I mean. There's that belief that this Knights team has sort of created now. And I thought, well, we if we could jag one here just before half time, it really could be a game turner. Yeah, absolutely. We um yeah we we got back into the grind really well and we dominated the last fifteen minutes of the half. You're right. The, the fact that we only scored the one try, we needed to score two. Mm. I know we I know we scored just after half time, and that was great. But we really needed to score two in like that first half. All the ball we had, um, but the game turned out. Remember, as I said to you last week, I said in finals is very common that after 60 minutes, the elastic band breaks and yeah. someone runs away, and that's exactly what happened. No, you so, were all, you nailed so, that. So they you know they were stretching that band, stretching that band. We were we were holding on, and we would not let that band go. But at one point, at some at some stage, that band just breaks, and it did. And the score, and I can't say the score didn't reflect the game because they dominated the game. But the score don't certainly didn't reflect our effort. So you're spot on. Rocco Berry in the 59th minute, DWZ in the 63rd minute, and then Bailey Surinan in the 75th minute. And these, like you said, after that hour, bang, bang, bang. That's that's ultimately the way the game went. I'm not ref blaming. I, so like we've always said on the pod, we, we try not to ref blame here. I, I want to talk about the ref without blaming him for the result. But I actually did think that a, an unfortunate key turning point in the game was the Jack Hetherington penalty just after we scored. The, yeah. the penalty was there to be given. I'm not, I'm not going to deny it. But you sort of, again, those are those 50-50 calls that when you're 16 to, points 10, 16 to 10 points down, you just need that bit of luck to be going in your direction. And, you know, we had the momentum, we had the try, things were going well, but bang, they got that penalty, they got straight back up the field and they scored. And, yeah, at 22 to 10 down, well, it just, it really, like you said, that first half you just felt was catching up on us. The points you know, gap now was going to be too much. And, yeah, I'm not – again, I'm absolutely not blaming the ref for the result, but I, for me, that was actually the turning point in the game. Once that that penalty was blown after we scored, um, we just never looked like coming back. We looked tired. It was a real performance um, like we've been putting in at the start of this year where the effort was great, the execution was poor generally, but, you know, some moments of brilliance, but we couldn't defend our errors and penalties. Yes, and that's that, that. That's what we've been doing so well for the you know, for the streak. Yeah, our, our defending our errors and penalties has been the big improvement, um, and that's what we couldn't do. We just every time we give away a penalty or make an error in our half, they scored, and you just you know you can't do that in finals football. You, you just you don't get away with it, and um, and I know that, like the the first ten minutes. So I know the Warriors were red hot and the crowd was into it and all that sort of stuff, but gee, there's a poor defense from our boys. Yeah, I completely you know, agree. For the first 10 minutes of a final, there's some really, really soft defence. Um, but no, but, but then, you know, but then we could have quite easily, and the Knights of Old would have absolutely packed, packed the trolley in, you know. They would have packed up and gone home, but they didn't. The boys, you know, and as I said, they got bashed for 80 minutes, absolutely bashed for 80 minutes. Like, I hope they had plenty of beers the next day to try and ease the pain because there would have been some bumps and bruises because the Warriors, you know, really, were really and, – and they weren't just brutal – in defence, they were brutal with the ball. Mm. You know, they really tucked that on the arm and run under it hard. But um, yeah, we just. And you're right. The, the Hetherington one's one of those ones where if that's not Jack Hetherington, if that's if that's you know like Joe Harris, that's yeah. not a penalty. Yep. 
You know, it's a 50-50. That it's, you know, it's a, the penalty's there. I'm not denying that. But it never gets called unless there's a guy like Jack Hetherington. Hey, I, I want to give a shout-out to uh, Jacob. So I thought he was our best player on the, on the yeah, day. Yeah, absolutely. I think, Jake, you know, the funny thing about Jacob is what we've now seen from Jacob throughout his career, both in the rep arena and now for the Knights, unfortunately, this is going to sound like a backhanded compliment. Or no, it's going to sound like I'm just praising it, but I mean this is a backhanded compliment. Jacob is a big game player. Yeah. But the problem with Jacob is that not every game is big. <laughs> yeah. You know the problem with Jacob? You know the problem with Jacob is? To me, Jacob's a guy that plays on emotion. Yeah. So, so, so when he so when he's up for it, he's outstanding. But that's but, the thing you you got to be careful. I don't think he's a confidence player. No, no, no. It, it, to me, it's, it's between his ears. Yeah. It's, you know, I'm either up for it or I'm not, and that's you know, and that's great. Like when he's up for it, he's one of the best pops in the world. But it, to me, that doesn't happen enough. It happened a lot late in the season this year. But he needs to be doing that from round one next year to to be put in the conversation. Because I've I've gone to the point where like he's more he's more key to our team than Daniel is. Correct. But but Daniel still produces it more than Jacob does. Injuries, as it turned out, really did play their part. And we'll talk a little bit about the injuries across the board now, because what we now know about this team is obviously Daniel's uh, hamstring. It just wasn't up to it. We don't know if he would have been right this weekend in any event. Um, it turned out... I'm hearing, it was, I'm hearing it was a tendon strain, which means he would have been out for a few weeks, I think. Yeah, so uh, Tyson Frizzell, it turns out, was playing with a calf injury. Um, uh, Phoenix Crossland was playing with a grade two MCL strain. Now, Jackson Hastings was obviously ruled out before the game, but what we now know is that uh, not only did he re-break his uh, leg against the Raiders, but he'd actually, they reckon he'd be playing with a micro or a smaller fracture uh, throughout the year, um, even re relating back to his surgery last year. Under the plates, it was under, he actually broken it underneath the plate he had inserted last year. So, yeah, that's tough. Like, that is just – that is that is a level of toughness that we – what do we always say about the Newcastle Knights? And what did we say this year? Is like, forget the results. If you can walk off that field going, you know, our coaches, our players, our staff, our club put everything that we had into, into that performance today. Result didn't go our way, but we can hold their head up high. That absolutely goes for Jackson Hastings this season. Um, he's hoping that the surgery he's had over the last 24 hours is going to get that leg right, is going to give him every opportunity to be uh, fully fit again for uh, round one next year. But what Jackson has given our club this year, it's just gone to a whole other level. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's funny what Jack came with, you know. You, you come with that reputation as a, you know, as a bit of a, a bit tough guy to get along with at times. And, you know, he's a bit bit of a loner, a bit of a, you know. Bit, but yeah, none of that's been seen at the Knights, you know. Like, there's, no, there's been no sign of that at all. But not enough gets spoken about how tough he is. Mm. He like he's just a tough bugger, man. And now I understand why him and Madge McGuire get on so good because Madge McGuire is a player's coach. You know, he's a guy that he'll respect a tough player more than a good player. And Jacko's both. But now I understand why Madge, you know, the Tigers loved um, loved Jacko so much because Jacko, man, he, he's very like you know he's got all the skills, but he's just tough. He's just an old school halfback in terms of you know he'll he'll take on the front row if he needs to. But um, no, I. I was a bit iffy when we, when we when we got Jacko, not because we needed a good halfback. I was okay with that, but I was a bit iffy in terms of you know like 
is he just a guy that's going to bounce around between clubs? We've got to get you mm. know two years out of him and he'll be gone, and then we're going to find a halfback again. But no, I, I think Jacko's here to stay. You know what the thing about Jacko is, is that what we now know about him, at least for this season, was that the personality of Jackson Hastings was never going to be a fit at a Manly, a Roosters and a Tigers, not because they're necessarily bad clubs. And I'm they not, are. I'm not not saying that. <laughs> that but what do, what do people always say about Newcastle? Newcastle loves their rugby league, but there's something different about Newcastle when it comes to rugby league. And what we've sort of seen about Jackson Hastings this year is rightly or wrongly, there's actually something different about Jackson Hastings. And as much you sort of look at Jackson Hastings and Tyson Gamble, in a lot of ways, they're two footballers that were built to play rugby league for Newcastle because they were going to go to a team and a town that was just going to embrace them because we just I want to give everything I've got to this team. But there's no team that's supported as well as Newcastle. It's like, well, if you do that, there's no supporter base on this planet that's going to appreciate it more than us. And in a lot of ways, that's why those two halves have probably found their home here this season. You know, hopefully it'll continue on. But at least for this season, they showed that we saw that we appreciated that, and they put and you know it's it's that um, that sort of symbiotic relationship again that um, brought the best out of everyone. Yeah, the the two guys are playing emotion, and if you're gonna play emotion, playing in front of twenty five thousand rabid Nova Castries is a pretty good place to start, and 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 Gamble especially really thrived on on that home crowd. You know, he whooped it up plenty, and um. No, I, you're right. There's two guys that are absolutely suited to playing for the Knights because our um, our fan base will always appreciate a guy that will, you know, just die for the jersey. And um, you certainly can't doubt those blokes did that. So where is this team now going into the off-season? Um, Bradman Best, Caelan Ponga got named in the Kangaroos train-on squad. Um, so, I mean, you did think that at least... Just a quick point. If Melmanigo considers playing Caelan Ponga at fucking centre, <laughs> we all should drive up there and bring him home immediately. All right. Okay. okay. Well, before we get on to our off-season, where do you see Caelan Ponga in the in the 17 for the, the Australian Kangaroos? Well, I'd have a fullback, but obviously Teddy's going to be fullback. I, th- I, th- I think you should play 14. Yeah, and no, I, I probably agree with that as but well. But I just want to say something. Like, so Queensland said they didn't want KP to play Origin because of his head knocks and, and whatnot. Yep. So, so then all Queenslanders whinge about us playing at 5-8 because it's dangerous for him. So where do they want to put him? At fucking centre. <laughs> at the number one position in rugby league, you're likely to get knocked out because some big back rowers just run straight out. Like, it's just... <laughs> I don't think it'll happen, but the idea that the Australian coach thinks that Caelan Pong should play centre is just beyond belief. Um, well, I and think honestly, it's more and, and, and honestly, if they, if they offered that to KP, I'd be going, no, nah, mate, nah, no, 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 no thanks. Thanks for that, but no thanks. Well, I think it's more farcical the idea that Reese Walsh can play in the centres. He's a little oh, fella. Yeah, 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 <laughs> the, yeah it's, it's, it's absolutely insanity. But the idea, you know, but Teddy being picked of the team is in, insanity too. So, um, you know, hopefully our two our two um, beautiful boys get through the uh, the rep arena um, this year unscathed. Um, I mean, do you, think Brad, do you think Brady's a chance getting picked? Well, I was just about to say all this talk about oh, here's three fullbacks we're going to shoehorn into into uh, the centres, and I'm like, well, you've picked Bradman Best in the squad as well. Sure, I, I, I was... I'd pick Hammer and Val. I Hammer Hammer and Brady. Sorry, I'd pick Hammer and Brady. Now Val's out of out of contention. Yeah, no, that's that's. I, I think I, so. I think the Hammer and um, 
Um, oh, wait, sorry. You'd pick Hammer and Val, would you? No, Hammer and Brady. Yeah, Hammer, yeah, yeah. It would yeah. have been Hammer and Val, but with Val out of contention. Yeah, no, that's exactly what it is. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, I, yeah. I think they'd be, uh, they should be your starting centres. Yeah. Hey, so, okay, so the boys will have a month off. They'll be back into training first of November or late October? Yeah, first of November the, when the staggers start. So the rookie's back first of November, and then it staggers for a few weeks after that. Yep. Okay, so we've got, um, oh, I still get these, I think, is it Kai? Pierce Paul, Kai yep, Paul, Kai Pierce, Kai Pierce Paul. Um, we've got Will Price coming through. Now we've gone a bit cold on Will Price lately, but we had gone a bit cold on Will Price. Where I'm back, I'm all, I'm back. It turns out that the heat is on because this is a young man who is lightning quick. He is tearing up the park over in the Super League at the moment. Forget you know whether or not he's breaking the line. You know whatever you think about the Super League standard is whatever you think about it. But the idea of Jackson Hastings or KP just putting him into space, oh, it, it gives me it gives me happy feelings, Brad. I I, I can't lie to you. He's He's Bradman quick. He's at least Bradman quick, if not quicker. But where Bradman's a bulldozer, uh, Price is uh, a bit more of the Ferrari. You know, he's, he's got a, he's got a step. He's you know he's got a he's got a few ball skills as well. He considers himself a five eight, but he's not. Um, but yeah, no, he's 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 looking outstanding. You're right. Like he's he's running through untouched against farmers and plumbers, but <laughs> but no, like it. And the way we play our attack. The idea, the idea of him running off KP, oh, yeah, all up in the fields. So um, the the two Super League boys, we've got uh, Jed Cartwright coming in as well, and obviously Jack Cogger. Can I just uh, say Jed Cartwright's a sneaky great buy for us? A great, no, you can say that as loud as because you want. He, you know I'm on board with ju- that. Because he just fills holes we will always need to fill. Yeah, We've always got a niggle in the back row. We've always got a niggle in the centres. He can fill those holes perfectly. Um, so we've lost Lachlan Fitzgibbon, Lachlan Miller, Simi Sasagi, Dominic Young. Uh, it looks like we're not, we're definitely not re-signing Kurt Mann. Um, Kurt Mann, unfortunately, again, showed that physical unreliability as to, like, we were so on the edge of maybe, but no, he, he once again reminded us that that he's body just, his size. He's correct. His size. So we've lost, uh, Adam Clune's gone, um, uh, New Brown, thank you for to the club. We don't know what Jack Johns is doing yet. Heimel Hunt, I don't think is going to be re-signed. Brody Jones is coming back for another year, though. Yeah, a lot of um, Knights fans are down on Brody, and I, I was down on Brody this time last year. But having watched him in Cup this year, he's a great clubman. Yeah, and no. He, he really led those boys around the field, and he and at all his times he stepped in the first grade, he, he never he never let us down once. Um, now I'm all aboard Brody getting another crack. Um, and obviously, you know, Dylan Lucas uh, will, he, he should slot. Dylan Lucas will probably be vying with KPP for that um, that vacancy left by Lockie Fitzgibbon. Um, but the thing about that is that, you know, that was a that was a, a battle for, that was the depth position that we probably didn't see uh, at the beginning of the year. And I think that'll be good for um, Piers Paul coming out. He, he doesn't have to worry about that pressure on him being, oh, well, you have to perform from the get go. We've got that redundancy, and also, you know, the competition for places will hopefully breed higher standards. Um, yeah, you're right. But Edge has gone from our worst position to now probably just about our strongest. Yeah. Um, I, I think Lucas will start on that edge to start the year simply because he's got NRL experience mm-hmm. until until it gets to the point where one of two things will happen. KPP will either just take Lucas a spot, or they'll both be or uh, they'll both be great, and Frizz will become the utility middle edge bench player. 
So at this stage, mate, keeping in mind um, uh, Tyson Frizzell has options after next year, but the only players we've really got out to 2026 are Jack Cogger, Tyson Frizzell, Greg Marju, who we've extended. And you and I, we'll talk a little bit about that after. Uh, Kalen Ponger, obviously. And we've still got another three good years of uh, Dan Saifidi. I mean, the thing about Greg is that he's had a, a season that's just been a career season. The club have then decided to extend him and upgrade him. You and I don't agree with that, if only from the perspective that you like Back it up. Like, at least back it up next year before we say, all right, you've shown that you're not a one-season wonder. And you're, like, you know, I don't want to throw you under the bus here, but I think it's a valid sort of concern in terms of did he show us on against the Warriors that there's still that performance anxiety that appears a little too... You know, we saw it against um, we saw it against the Eels. We saw it against the Dolphins. And when the heat was on in that elimination uh, game against uh, the Warriors, you know, he showed it to us from his very first hit up. The, the concerns, you know, are still warranted, I think, around what type of player Greg Marsh is going to be for the next three years. Yeah, he's still a very much confidence player. And frankly, there's two positions you don't want confidence players in. It's wing and fullback. Because mm. they will get absolutely bombarded, you know, if their confidence is down. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. Greg still ran for 199 oh, yeah, metres on. Greg, Greg's outstanding. Like, you know, if, we, if we're going to get, you know, if, if the range of Greg's going to be from pretty good to top Greg, happy as Larry. My only concern is he still has those stinkers in him. Mm. And, you know, if he had two stinkers in a row, would that get, so, get him so in the head that it wouldn't get? And there's been plenty of plays in the past. Like, well, the Wolfman was another one. He had a few injuries. But once he'd had a few shockers and it got in his head, he went from origin play to park football in 12 months. It's it's a real worry with those positions that if you are a confidence player, that once that confidence is gone, you, it's hard to get back. Um, but no, the club should have extended him. Like, I'm not, no issue with the club extending him. He's earned that extension 100%. But yeah, I do have concerns because, yeah, I do worry that if he did have a few games in a row that weren't great, where does that put him? The other side of the coin is I've 100% faith in Adzi to be able to fix that in terms of if his confidence was gone, I reckon Adzi would be able to build him back up. And I think Adzi would do it the way he did at the start of the year by putting him in cup. I think he would do the same. And I think that Greg would handle that okay because I think that Greg understands that you know, he has those frailties because he uh, I've, I've um, seen stuff on him a few times this year and he is completely self-aware. You know, he knows that his um, his ability to you know really shit the bed at times is what kept him out of first grade. You know what the funny thing is about um, wingers under um, Adam O'Brien to date is that you think about all of our outside backs who have performed under him. It's actually really when you boil it down, Gahamit uh, Shibasaki, who really hasn't been able to go up to that next level um, over the last four years of uh, of Adam O'Brien coaching. So, uh, and I'm sort of thinking about, like you think about Heimel Hunt. At one point, we thought he was undroppable, and yet he's largely been unsighted. Uh, I think since about round five this year. Um, but even in those, those, you know, he had his a fair few injuries last year. 
But those first two years under O'Brien, he was so uh, good at what he was doing um, in the team that he was sort of seen as undroppable. Now, you, you sort of look at the way Dom Young started and the way he's coming along. I mean, we discussed this on the last pod, so we're certainly not saying anything anything new, but it's worth remembering just the quality of players that have come into this, uh, this Adam O'Brien side and the positions that they have sort of taken up and what he's been able to do with them to get that talent out of them. And so, I, I, I look. I personally like the idea that the coaches have backed themselves to say, "We brought Greg in. We we put him on the bare minimum deal. He's hit the KPIs that we set for him this year that warrant an extension." And what my hope is is that with this coaching staff, they haven't looked at it and gone, "Right, well, we're done with you. You you should be able to perform like this for the next three years." What they've done more is they've said to Greg. Right, we've seen that th- we asked you to do X, Y, Z this year. You've done that, and we see enough where we want to invest in you for at least the next three years to say this is where we want to go yeah, with you, and yeah, we'll keep yeah. working with you on that. That's my sort of hope with, for um, for what the coaches want to do with Greg. But the the other thing to come from for that is that when you think about it, what this team's going to look like in the next eighteen to twenty four months. There'll be no Dom Young. You know, will Ga- will Dane Gagai be- still be there? What will Braddy? Be- you know, where's Braddy going? I- we think Brad's probably going to stay, but there are still some question marks around what this outside, uh, what these outside backs are going to look like over the next sort of twelve um, to twenty four months. But I'm ex- look, I'm excited by that because you even look at Dane. Dane had a turd of a year last year, but somehow this coaching staff have done something with this veteran centre where he's had almost a career year this year. So, yeah, I'm, 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 I, I put a lot of faith when you look at what this um, what these coaching staff have done with outside backs to say, you know what, that, that part of our squad I think is covered. Let's get back to really working on having that, that fully functioning forward um, machine and bench rotation that will get us that engine room that, you know, the, the Broncos and the Panthers um, and the storm side, the great storm sides have shown is what you still need to win a, win a comp. Yeah, that's the next step for this team now is the ability to play at that Penrith Storm Brisbane pace for 80 minutes in, yeah. in, the, middle, in the middle of the field. We've got, you know, we've shown... Can I just tell you, but not just for 80 minutes, for a season. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And and, and the ability to, you know, to have injuries and still other guys come in and do the exact same job. Um, Which I'm really confident about us. Like, my my worry about us was that we didn't have any game records in the middle. You know, we had no pain hearts, you know, that sort of, you know, that sort of thing. But I've actually okay with the fact now that we've got a lot of guys at a very similar standard. Um, so I, I, and I really think that we can play at a particular level in the middle of the field for long periods, week after week after week, because that's that's how you make the top four. And you, we've, we, we've seen this year, no matter what sort of form you're in, you can't win the premiership outside the top four. You just can't. No, yeah, you, you really can't. And, and, when we, and we had a particularly bad year in the fact that, you know, the top four, three of the teams are from outside Sydney, you know. So you, sometimes, you know, you might get it, you know, we've got South, Roosters, Penrith, you know, all the top four. So, you know, you're not travelling as much. But obviously we had New Zealand, Melbourne and Brisbane, you know. So it's been it's been a bit bit wild. Um, 
But well, you, just you... to put that into context, brother, because I've actually been thinking about this during the week, is that we did spend a lot of the year going, oh, I hope X, Y, Z, um, you know, close finish, you know, that loss there d- doesn't cost us. And, and I don't think any of them did. But one thing I will say is that you think about that, that round one game, that round one game against the Warriors and those last 10 minutes and the eight-point loss. If we win that game, so we both finish on 15 wins with the Warriors, but with our draw, we then finish in that fourth spot. And you just wonder how different last Saturday would have been if we were the team that were able to go to Penrith and lose in week one and maybe not put all those eggs in that basket because we know we've got the second week in front of 30,000 people at at Newcastle, at McDonald Jones Stadium, and the Warriors have to travel to play us in Newcastle in week two. That and because I've been thinking exactly that. You you absolutely cannot win this comp from outside the, the top four. No, you can't. And and the only way to make top four is consistency. Mm. Um but that's as I said, yeah, that's the next challenge is the ability to not win ten games in a row. The ability is to win you know, to, to win three or four in a row, then have a loss. To win three or four more in a row, then have a yes. loss, you know. That's yeah. how you make the top four. Yeah. Um. And that that's that's the next step. But I'm really really happy with how our top thirty is looking. You know, it's, I I don't think there's anything you we have a glaring weakness at. I think um, backup fullback maybe depending on Will Price. You know, Will Price play, you know plays fullback too, so he mm-hmm. might be the answer there. But backup fullback's a bit of a concern. Um. I have concerns about how we would function in the middle without. Uh, Adam Elliott, because once Adam Elliott found full fitness, you know our attack skyrocketed. Mm-hmm. So, but I, I kind of, um, I kind of wonder whether there's, you know, there's a role for Croaks in that more. Um, so I think it, next year, if Sky's listening, she's not going to like this, but I actually think next year is a potentially make or break season yeah, for Croaks. I, 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 I kill going to say, but I honestly think that he's the most in danger of the one slipping out the back door of the top 17 next year. Agreed. Yeah. Um, and and, it, not, it, and not, not for anything other than I think that what he offers. Um, well, he's not doing enough. No, well, but, and that, that's it. What, what, he, what he offers can be done by other players. And to me, he's not physically imposing enough yeah. to change the game physically. So the pieces are there and obviously the potential is there. Uh, uh, but, if I think, if I'm being honest with this, if, if it wasn't Croaks, I mean, at the end of last year, I wanted to punt Crossland. So if if, if, if it wasn't Matt Croker, I'd be like, it's been, it, it feels like it's been two years of just treading water with him a little bit. And so I feel like next year is the year they have to say, hey, you need to kick on, mate. Like you, you need to start being that, that, that um, dynamic bench player that's pushing for a starting position consistently that goes on and wreaks havoc that we think that you are. Um, yeah, I, I think it's a – and I think he'll do it. I think he's got it in him. Um, I just think, though, he can, I just don't think he can have a third year in a row of, um, you know, this level. Yeah, that's right. And, and that's the thing, you know, like he's an effort guy. We all love the effort. You know, he's the guy to get on loose balls. He's the guy making last his tackles. All that stuff is vitally important to your team. You know, you need that in your team. But we've seen that Phoenix Crossland can do that role. Mm. Yeah, Phoenix Crossland would be a guy coming off the bench and play lock, you know, if, if Browns was fine in the, at playing at hooker. Phoenix would come off the bench and play lock and do all those things, you know. Um, and then that, that enables, you know, to use that last bench spot 
for another big middle forward, like a big, or a big middle forward. And that, to me, that's Croak's weakness. He's not big enough. He, he mm. does everything else well. He's got great skills with the ball. His effort areas are great. He's got great tackle technique. You know, he's very handy, the fact that he can play some edge too, but he's just not big enough. And he gets monstered a lot of times in the middle and, ta- and it really, really slays our momentum at times. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's Craig's. We all freaking love you. It's, it kills me to even consider. No, look, I, I, I'm, I'm confident that this he's going to have a big off-season this year. And you sort of uh, – because we do feel – he's 22. Is he 22, 23? Um, I don't know. He's probably 23, yeah. So I, I think, you know, considering that he is a front row forward. Um, oh, yeah, he's still, he's still four years away from hitting his Yeah, yeah, off, yeah, yeah. So I think there's a lot of so – I think he's, he's going to bog it. And I'm just thinking about what we asked of Braddy and we forgot how young Braddy was, you know, even though he'd be, this is his fourth year of first grade. Um, but again, with Braddy, it was the the big injuries that kept holding him back. And once he was fit, it was like, oh, well, now we see. But Braddy it. was pure talent, you know. We all knew that. That's so, right. Can I just say we've already pissed off Skyler, so let's piss off Matt Clark too. I think under Nathan Brown, Croach is gone. So I think. So I think. Because I think I'll say, I'll say why. Because I think Brandy. I think Brandy gave up on guys. Brandy didn't let them develop. Um. But I think I don't think Ads is like that. If Croaks is happy to stay, you know, as a member of the thirty, he's now thirty. There's no doubt about that. You know, he's to me he's about a eighteenth, not eighteenth or nineteenth player. But he, so if he's happy to keep plugging away and off season after off season getting bigger and stronger and all that sort of stuff, he'll make it. Like he's got all the tools. You know, he's a he could be like really really good, but he's just not big enough yet. Um, but I I just hope that yeah he's happy being as a squad player. And then, you know, I guess the 26, 27, when he's physically ready. Because the thing is, once guys, you, you'll notice James Fisher-Harris. Everyone thinks James Fisher-Harris was a fairly skinny back rower when he started in first grade. Mm. You know, it was just off-season after off-season, NRL season after NRL season, of building him up to now he's this dynamic, fast, fast-moving fast front rower. That's what Croaks could become. But... We- We've yeah, pissed so off, um, we've pissed off, Matt. We've pissed off, Scott. Mate, we've pissed off two out of our three listeners. Uh, somebody tell Dean Ritchie we're down to one. Down the blind, Andrew John. Inside for Albert. Albert will score. Albert will score. Newcastle have won the great title. One thing I did want to talk about as well, though, just very quickly um, after, out of the loss was... Um, Again, I don't. I still maintain there's not really much that you take away from uh, post-game press conferences. They're always great when you win. They're never as good when you lose. But having said that, I still thought this was one of um, Adzi's O'Brien's better um, press conferences post-loss. Um, notwithstanding that he hadn't had to do one for a while. Um, but one thing that was pointed out to us, sorry, by um, by the mumbler was that he made it very clear, and I can't remember too specifically what he said after our last two finals losses, but he definitely said, uh, you know, we've set the standard now and we don't want this to be something that we sort of, uh, we want to maintain this going into next year. We want to remember what we've achieved. And I just thought that was a very important note to finish on because, you know, when you have a run of 10, you finish top five, you sort of, um, you just assume that it's going to kick on. I thought it was very important to just make that note and to remind everybody it said, well, we haven't achieved anything yet. We're still on our journey to go where we want to go to achieve what we want to achieve. And we've just set a standard now that we need to, you know, we'll actually not only maintain, but um, 
but raise once again. And I was just really glad that he sort of um, made mention of that because uh, you didn't want to, want to get that lost for all the positives that have come out of 2023. Yeah, that's right. It's um, it's it's funny, you know, like it's, it, this this off season is so um, it, it's 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 such an interesting one for the club because this is where the club goes. You know, do we now kick on? You know. Do we now, you know, do, does this role continue? You know, as we're, we're happy with the squad, do we now kick on or do the old habits creep back in? Yeah. Um, and we don't think they will, you know. Uh, we we think that this is, you know, a genuinely new attitude with the right leader and the I'll, right structure in place. I'll tell you exactly why. Even if those other 10 games hadn't happened, obviously, we, sorry, even if the other nine games hadn't happened, I'll tell you exactly why this season is a game changer because that, that Raiders game. Yeah. You win that game in that type of environment, in oh, that ne- atmosphere, the, you the want more. Of, the start of next year going to be off the chain. Yeah. You know, like the, the membership's going to shoot through the roof. The, you know, the early rounds next year, it's going to be huge crowds. Um, yeah. The, and that'll the, be another test for this team as well. Like, how do they – because we sort of started to see a bit of it in the, the Rabbits game, the South, the Sharks game. It's like, okay, well, you're dealing with expectation – well, but no, you got to deal with that expectation from round one now. How are you going to handle that? Yeah, and you know, and, and the, all all the offseason, you know, the media is going to be around. The media hype, there'll be more hype around the night. You know, the city media will be up more during the off season to do stories and that sort of stuff. It's um, there's a real difference when you're a, a you know a story, um, in the NRL, you're a story. You know, like you're not just not just the local media, the the. The media nationwide will be you know, paying more attention to the Knights this offseason. You know, how do they handle that? How do they handle the fact that, um, yeah, going to be big crowds early in the season, memberships going to be up, you know, the hype train's going to be going, everyone around town's going to be hyping them all off season. How are they going to handle that? It's it's a it's an interesting thing. Like this year, for the first time, maybe ever, or I think probably ever, our membership went down because of how bad last year was. Now yeah. next year, it's going to shoot through absolutely through the roof. Um, so the club's fine, but that can go away real quick if you start 0-4. Hey, I forgot to mention it, and I do actually want to make an effort to um to talk about it a little bit because it was the most disappointing thing that to come out of last week. But Ricky Stewart has actually turned the Canberra Raiders into an embarrassment in the NRL. But he, he's been he's it, been sneaky Stewart about doing it because the mentality that now sort of permeates and has poisoned that club it's it's they have no idea how toxic they've become this this whole siege mentality like the siege mentality is great in a press conference when you're trying to you know um detract from you know deficiencies in a performance or you're trying to you're trying to distract people from you know what's what's upcoming that's fine but when your whole game plan and uh and and sort of approach is based on this idea of well everyone hates us and it's always going to be hard you never you, you're just not going to achieve anything stuff with that idea everyone hates it comes from everyone loves Canberra. that's this is exactly right like like the majority of nrl fans would have Canberra in their top five teams Can, does he not forget two or three years ago when literally every fucking hashtag on twitter was up the, up milk? the milk everything that's up the wires now was it was all up the milk you know, like and this idea that they're hated by the media is so. He created that. 
So he's essentially, in his idea of, I want to have this siege mentality, us versus the world, he's actually convinced his club and his fan base that everyone hates them, and now they've got this internalised thing where they they really don't seem to enjoy their football. They've just, they, the Raiders, they've just turned in this idea where they're this maligned, uh, sort of, um, this maligned, forgotten club that you know, everybody just sort of patronises me. And I'm like, what, what is, where, where did this come from? What? Like, oh, I, I was I was at the 29, uh, 2019 Grand Final. I'm telling you, every single person that wasn't in a Roosters jersey was back in Canberra. Yes! The, 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 the hype around City that weekend for Canberra was unbelievable. There was green everywhere. Because the entire population of City wanted to see the Roosters lose. <laughs> it's, but this idea that they're hated is just so... But now they are. But they did them well. <laughs> Correct. And I just, I, I, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know where they go next year because um, obviously Jack's going off to South. So I don't really know. I, I don't. I'll, I'll see where they go. They're going back to where they were ten years ago when they were boring as fuck. Yeah. They, there's had no impact at all. Yeah. They've got. They've got. What plays they got that excite you? That's exactly. Well, the one player that they do have that genuinely excites you and I is uh, Albert Hopewadi, and he's hard up getting a run. So, um, yeah, anyway. without, without, without Jack, yeah, they, uh, yeah, and that's in Jack, don't get me wrong, Jack's like no superstar, but Jack was their one bit of, you know, excitement yeah. in their team. Yeah. Hey, um, just before we do wrap up though, mate, um, obviously we've got two big games this weekend. Look, it's, let's be honest, it's not a foregone conclusion, but unfortunately it's looking like it's going to be a fairly predictable grand final between the uh, Broncos and the Panthers. Which, you know, 1v2, you're always happy to see. But can you see an upset this weekend? Can the Storm or the Warriors uh, rewrite the script and uh, knock out one of the top two teams this weekend? The Storm have got no chance. Zero, zilch, nada. Yeah. Fuck, they were awful against the Roosters. Yep, yep, they were, they were terrible. They they were terrible. They, they had no chance. The Warriors have got some chance. But, the, but as excited as the Warriors are... Brisbane need to shit the bed for them to for them to lose. You know they've got they've got Origin Test players across the park. The Broncos they should be winning that. I'm looking forward to seeing. I, I do hate talking up AFB, but from a purely um, footballing perspective, I'm looking forward to him going head to head with Payne Haas. We might finally, you know, the argument is you now who's the best prop of the world. We might get to find out on Sunday night. Very much so. Hey, thanks for listening all the way to to the end, everybody. Uh, hopefully, we see as many of you as we can out at Bay 53 this Sunday for the big prelim final uh, in the NRLW. Otherwise, enjoy your week, enjoy your footy, and uh, yeah, we'll talk to everybody again soon. Thanks, guys. Sports Best Friends would like to thank you for listening right to the end. You are our kind of people. Find other great sports podcasts in our family by subscribing. And remember, social media isn't a bad place. You just need to follow the right people.